Hello, dudes, dudettes, duders, and everyone in between, and welcome to The Hollywood Fishbowl. I am your host, Jesse Kester, and today we have got, well, there's just no other word for it, we've got a doozy of an episode for you. It is my little sister, Selena Hamilton Nay Kester. Now, you know her as basically the third character on this podcast, so this is actually the first edition of The Hollywood Fishbowl with only two people on it, seeing as she cannot be the second and third character on this podcast. Ah, heck, you know what? She's such... I I love her so much, I'm going to say, this episode has three people, and two of them are the same person. You are the guest, Selena, and you are the third character in this episode. There's something else in this episode that's a little bit unique. About two-thirds of the way through, I must excuse myself to go to the bathroom and it was requested by the Hamilton family that I leave that in the episode. You're not going to get dead air. I almost did it as dead air, considered it for a minute and then backed down out of what can only be described as cowardice. So I think that sets up this episode entirely, seeing as you all pretty much know Selena at this point anyway. Um, that means that we're plumb out of ado. There's no ado left in the chamber. So, without any further ado, I give to you, Selena Hamilton Nay Kester. Drops. Morpheus is fighting Neo! Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I am your host, Jesse Kester, and today I am joined by the one, the only, the illustrious... Selena Hamilton. Whoa! uh, What's the name? Before, what, how do you say that? Selena Hamilton, nay Kester. That's the one. Yes, my little kid sister is on the podcast finally, and I will only refer to you in the diminutive if that's okay with you. It's perfect. Beautiful. And Morpheus is done fighting. Neo, can I ask you a quick favor before we get into all of the podcast? Probably. Please don't be boring. <laughs> I'll do what I can, but no promises. Okay. Well, look at you. I thought you were going to clap back at me on that one. No, I forgot. <laughs> that was I was trying to bait you, but um, but not like that. Anyway, five and five. <laughs> uh, five questions. You have one minute to answer each question. <laughs> You're really loud at this part. Sorry, mom. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Okay. And you do have beeps. It's for the Instagram. You know the routine. Question number one, where did you grow up and how did that inform your adulthood? Go! I grew up in small town Pennsylvania in a series of small towns, and I think it helped me to be content wherever I am, that uh, we moved around a lot, and I think that helped me to kind of be able to settle into where I am in a good way, um, and and not having much to do helped me learn how to uh, entertain myself. I read a lot as a kid, um, learned about the world through books and movies, um, and through your older brother's fanzines, which you eventually copied. I never read shamelessly. one of your fanzines. Oh, yes, you did, because yours did was I? a one-to-one copy of what oh, I was doing. Well, I don't remember fanzines. Okay. What were you a fan ha- of? Hazard Identity. Hazard Identity. Yeah, and then you came out with your own newspaper that was just my articles read. <laughs> I mean, that checks out, but I don't have any memory of it. There's going to be a lot of bitterness on this episode. <laughs> But okay, you um, and I've got some other contentions with your answer, but we'll get to that later. Question number two. What 
is the must-engage media, the movie, the book, the album that opened up your brain to the secrets of the universe? So every time I hear you ask this question, I struggle to think of my answer until I remembered when I was a teenager and really got into... uh, Hazard Identity? Hazard Identity. No, Ani DeFranco and Dar Williams as musicians completely opened me up into... uh, learning that I could have my feelings and mm-hmm. and they could be just varied and um, whatever I needed to feel could be real and it could be legitimate and I could move on to the next feeling when it was time. And uh, so Ani DeFranco and Dar Williams. Just to give us a taste of what's to come, can you list some of the feelings you've had <laughs> since then? Some feelings I've had since then. Yes. Uh, well, it was mostly that I could learn to be like angry um, oh. and like, sexy and like bored and you know in love and whatever it was um it could all be real the old asb angry sexy bored (laughs) you're doing just fine question number three coming down the bike what is the greatest source of joy in your life besides hazard identity (laughs) i seriously do not remember (laughs) hazard identity this is gonna be so much fun for you because i can't argue against it but my joy in this life lately is my children Mm -hmm. they're so much fun to talk to they've got such good ideas and 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 interesting brains and just the way that they engage the world is so good can i have some of that joy I mean, sure, go upstairs. Okay, I mean, that is, is it okay if I experience joy when I'm around your children? <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. Yes, I give you permission, officially. Because I think both of your children are radical. It's true. And tubular. Can I ask a quick follow-up question? Yes. Which of the two is your favorite? <laughs> You're going to get some dead air, brother. See, here's the thing. Mom was cagey, too, and I wonder what it is about mothers not wanting to talk about their favorite child. It's you. Oh, hey. Oh, and you didn't even have me. I must be really amazing if I'm your favorite child and not even talk. Question four. What gets under your skin? For sure, uh, unkindness and incuriosity are the two things that just bother me the most in this world. Bad news. I'm very curious about unkindness. Would you tell me more about that (laughs) while you feel conflicted? Uh, it's you know it's just it's so it's so easy to wonder about people and to explore what makes them worry and and excited and joyful and um to not do it i think is just uh unreasonable okay well here i have a suspicion um you know how you claim the mantle of uh you are the biggest fan of the hollywood fishbowl <laughs> the preparedness on your answers makes me think that that might hold true of everyone i've talked to <laughs> you seem the most ready for each question i've been researching are you ready for question five uh, probably but this question changes sometimes i'm nervous um how would you describe Stoutberg Village to someone? <laughs> no, that's not the question. What's the best advice you've received and what's the best advice that comes from your brain? It's a two-parter curveball coming your way. <laughs> uh, my favorite advice that I always remember is from Glennon Doyle, who's a blogger and an author. And she says to always be brave and kind. And if you don't have enough energy to do, do both, to be kind. And if you don't have enough energy to do either, go to bed. Um, so that's what I try to do. Um, that's all good. That's a good um, uh, protocol. Yeah, yeah, right. And then, and then what I um, 
try to remind myself and tell other people when they need to hear it is to really trust and engage the process that we we make decisions about our lives and we decide who we want to be and and uh, what we want to do and we can get real frustrated on the journey to it um, and I, I think it's important to really engage whatever the process is whether it's school whether it's um, you know raising your children whatever it is to to engage the process not just wait for the end you just smashed five and five. We're going to call it there. Would you like the celebration sound effect or not? <laughs> you know I've been waiting my whole life for this. Oh, it's not working. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hold on. We are experiencing silence. All right. Now, uh, the the fifth question, what was the, your advice was, what was it that, that uh, like, have faith in the path or something similar to yeah, that? Yeah, trust and engage the process. Now, just a quick question. Have you had any recent experiences where you had a process or a plan that got wildly upturned? Just just any, just anything? anything. Yeah, Has any, anything happened like that? When is this going to go live, Jesse? Uh, and I will have no follow-up questions. Just a simple <laughs> yes or no. Yes, okay. yes. My no entire plan has question. been upturned recently, <laughs> and I am going to trust the process. Okay. <laughs> Would you mind if we checked back in with you later after the process has happened? <laughs> well, tell me when this when this episode's going to air. Probably in three weeks. Uh, we can talk about it later. I know that's why we would have you on as a future guest. I told you no further questions. No okay. fault. Anyway, okay. let's go back. Okay. Um, to that time I stole your fanzine. Yeah, yeah. Like Hazard Identity was an incredible publication. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what yours was called. It was so far off <laughs> my radar. Neither do I. <laughs> it was pretty far off my radar, too. Here's the thing is, um, Hazard Identity, like I, writer, editor, publisher, I am a giant. I could have stepped on your publication and I wouldn't even notice. Like, it would be a, <laughs> an insect on my shoe. Um, so, that's why I don't remember the title. That's fair. Or the incident at all. <laughs> I can't tell you why I don't remember the title or the incident, because I just don't remember. Um, ice cold. Uh, moving back to uh, how growing up where you grew up informed how you are today. Now, here's the thing about that, is you and I grew up practically in the same house um, until we I left the house, or except when you weren't born yet. <laughs> uh, I'm really good at this. Job. You really are. But here's the thing is how that exact same upbringing informed me is that like you've you've learned how to settle. I have not learned how, like I'm still bopping around mm -hmm. from town to town every mm -hmm. two years. Like I haven't lived in a place for more than two years. Um, and to be clear, when you say settle, you mean settle down, not like settle for. No, I would never. I'm very happy with my life. No, I don't, I don't think that this is settling for at all. I, yeah, I, oh, no, me neither. Yours is the life that is most like what I would feel jealousy for if I felt jealousy. Just so <laughs> not to posture myself as a Zen deity, but I told you this before, you know that, um, well, first of all, I have a question. When people ask if they can swear on the podcast, I tell them that they may, but they should remember that my sister is the biggest fan and she is a pastor. What is your opinion on swearing? <laughs> what is my opinion on swearing? I need to get the word from you. Well, I like swearing a lot. 
hot damn. <laughs> that's my that's my hot take on swearing. Um, I stopped swearing for the most part a few years ago, about oh a little over, a little under eight years ago when I was uh, getting ready to have my first child. Mm-hmm. I realized that uh, he was going to learn words from me. Yep. And I didn't want to have to like get into the weeds of I'm allowed to say these words, but you're not. Uh, was it so because I it was hypocritical swearing. or you just didn't want another thing to have to explain to a human who had a long <laughs> list of things to get explained? <laughs> I didn't want another thing to have to explain okay, to him. So hypocrisy did not enter right, into right, right. it. Okay. Now that he is seven, he kind of understands that uh, grownups are allowed to say these words and kids are not allowed to say these words. Uh, Has he tested you at all? Like, have there been any swears that came out of his, from the mouth of babes the swears are born the truest <laughs> swears are born i believe no he is uh he is a true intellectual and he ah. will think about things for a long time before he'll talk about them uh so one day we were in the car and he told me that he knows the biggest baddest swear word and and i said oh well what what word do you think it is and he said well do i have permission to say it one time without getting in trouble <laughs> did he say it and i said sure and he said it's fuck I think he's got it. <laughs> and I said, yes, that is exactly the, the biggest, baddest swear word. Yep. Uh, don't say it again. And who taught you that? <laughs> oh, it, you know that you asked him knowing that snitches get stitches. <laughs> so his best friend taught him that. And when I told his best friend's parents, they just laughed and laughed and said, yup. <laughs> it's, it is. There are some words that could be nasty and also equally offensive if used in an aggressive, violent... Anyway, um, growing up, which was your favorite house of all the houses we lived in between when you were born and the Onyx Cave House? Uh, 100% the Cave House, for sure. Why? Absolutely. Um, Well, I I lived there from sixth grade until mom moved when I was a freshman in college. It's probably the longest I lived in any house. Yeah. No, until then it was two years tops, except yeah. for West Walnut. I think we yeah, had three West or four Walnut there. Is definitely the one, like whenever I'm reading a book about children in houses, they're in the West Walnut street house yep. for sure. I believe that for me, it's the, the farmhouse like bridge yeah. to Tarabithia takes place at the farmhouse. Oh yeah. Down no, by that, that makes so much sense. Uh, but anyway, this is not about me. This is about, ASBU. <laughs> That's like the TLC album. Yeah. Um, so the cave house was my favorite just because um, I kind of, I guess I came of age in that house. That's where I kind of figured out who I was. Um, it was also just really, Look really at you, awesome. so arrogant thinking you figured out who you were in high school. I'm, I mean, that's what I think you were trying to ask a little while ago, like why I could settle down after the life mm-hmm. that we grew up with and you couldn't. And I think something different happened for us was that high school socially was easy for me. Um, that in a way that, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put you on blast, but it just wasn't as easy socially. And uh, uh, I hated Nearly every minute right. of it. Anything right. that was not in theater club or hanging out with Kevin Chris yeah. was a nightmare. Yeah. Like, I hated every yeah. minute. <laughs> yeah. And for whatever reason, people were not as big of dicks to me as they were to you. And uh, so I was able to kind of enjoy that part of my life, uh, that, that adolescence, um, in a way that made it easier for me to just be. And I may, I, I mean, no short shrift 
to the people who were cool with like that I got along with yeah. in high school, but it was not an like I hated yeah. every minute yeah. of high school in that building. It was the worst. Right. Anyway. <laughs> right. And nobody nobody was ever mean to me in high school. Like they just either liked me not or ignored me. Not even the teachers? Mm-mm, the no. teachers wouldn't beat you up? The teachers never beat me up. Well, good golly. <laughs> I, I imagine you had a slightly better experience yeah. than me. So that's the big difference there. But I forget why we went down that road. So yeah, so high oh, school because years you figured were, out who you were. Like you spent high school figuring out who you were yeah. instead of like crying in right. the, in the back of right. a Ford Aerostar in yep. the parking lot at the Reading Pagoda. Yep. Which yep. <laughs> yep. That's, that's must a, have been that's a, nice. It was. That's a, I think that is a big difference. Sometimes I'd go up to the to the outhouse and cry on the cave house hey. property. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I probably like once went up to the playground and cried, but that's just because I was a teenager and life was dramatic, not Ooh. because life was horrible. What were some of the big beats in your high school? Like b- big, big moments for me in the in the cave house were uh, Simone when he died. Mm-hmm. That's like a major, major turning point. And like that was a that was a A.B. moment. Um, and the rest of it, the rest of my memories there are just screwing around with. Carly, you, mm-hmm. whoever, Will would come over sometimes, and we'd just like have madcap fun yeah. on the weekends, like bananas fun. Yeah. But other, what what are some of the pivotal memories from the cave house for you? Or did I just like steal uh, them all? I mean, the the that part was was great. Uh, one of, of course, my very favorite memories of the cave house. My husband would probably not like me talking about this. Is the times. Oh, that he would try All to call the times you? that he would call me and you and Carly and Will would gather around the phone. Mm-hmm. And, and why don't you recreate what you would do in speakerphone okay. talking to John? All right. We're going to do a little scene here. Should we put, should we get some music? Uh, sure. Um, I think this is. <laughs> You're a monster. So let's take this back to the cave house. Now imagine the phone rings and we all know it's John Hamilton calling for Selena. So you do the phone sound effect and I'll pick up the phone. Ring, ring. Click. Hello, I'm Selena and you're John Hamilton and I like you so much that I want to kiss you when I see you. And then he would say, you be John Hamilton now. Oh. Oh, usually he would say, this isn't Selena, and I know it's not <laughs> Selena. Please put Selena on. And then we would pass the phone to someone else, and they would say, now this is really Selena, and I want to kiss you more than you can understand with my mouth and tongue. And then he'd say, I know this isn't <laughs> Selena also. And, he, and then eventually he would just be quiet. He'd he just would, hang on the line and be silent. He would put up with so much to get to you. Like he just <laughs> wanted to say hello to you and he would endure endless minutes. Like it doesn't, minutes doesn't sound like long, but when it's just like in 20 second bits of someone being a moron like that, it's, he was, he was very, very committed to yes. saying hello to you. Yes. Is that what won your heart? That he ran through the gauntlet of idiocy. <laughs> <laughs> no, what won my heart was more of the process of just um, we've we have been together for so many years. I, I, uh, what is it? Twenty? It's almost twenty nineteen. We've been together for almost seventeen years, mm-hmm. um, and it's been just a, a long process of getting to know each other. I'm sorry to make this serious when you were trying to make funny, funny jokes, but no. really it's just um, he's a he's a good man and he's patient and uh, he's kind and. No. 
That was going to be one of my questions. This was a writing question from one of our fans was, I just don't see what you like about him. Can you explain the appeal? We can skip that if you'd rather. And I was I was very surprised that she wrote it because I don't think she listens to the program or even knows it exists or even what a podcast is. Moving on. You, you do know that we all know what is wonderful about John Hamilton. Yes, I okay, absolutely okay, know that you all know what's wonderful about John Hamilton. I do also know that like years and years ago, mm-hmm. our, our sister... Uh, was surprised to find out that John Hamilton is really funny. <laughs> That's all he is. Right. What? What, do, what was she? Was it just because she came home on holidays when he's kind of like? Yeah. Is, yeah. is it okay that we're talking? Is he going to listen to this? And- not going to listen to it, but he's not going to be thrilled that we talked about him this okay. much. But yeah, Carly told her that he was really funny, and then she was like, "Oh, I guess it must be true then." No, he's. But I, I understand, like, there's a difference between hosting 50 people in the house, For sure. half of whom are under 10 years old, um, <laughs> and, like, the, the nuttiness that we would get into at yeah. the cave house. Not very much of which I was privy to. Like, once John Hamilton made it through the phone gauntlet, I was moved on to, yeah. I, I guess I was in, in Asheville at that point. Yeah. Or were you were you in a different house by then? No, mom kept the, the cave house. For yeah, a little she bit moved after that. in 2003, I think, or 2004. Yes, there were plenty of Asheville years because Ty would come home for Christmas. I was yeah. dating Ty, and she. We have photos of her in the in the cave house. Okay, so it was several years. I was yeah. like two years into Asheville living yeah. at least before the Dog Street house. Right. Which of my girlfriends? Uh, Swinky is out of the running, obviously, was your favorite. Um, Who comes in second? Let me rephrase that. Who is your second Swinky favorite? Swinky is my favorite of all time. I love her so much and I miss her, but not as much as you miss her, but it's not a competition. No, yeah, get in line with the missing of Swinky, but uh, rank them. Number one to number <laughs> five, I guess. I liked it best when Yana was your girlfriend because she would bring Yarrow over whenever she came to visit and we got to hang out and do our silly fun. Self-interest. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's number two is Yana. Who is number three? (laughs) We really got to do this. Oh, we're doing this. (laughs) Uh, Tide also for number two is Ty. Of course. Okay. I thought you forgot her name. You were calling her Tide. (laughs) I was about to correct you and say her name was actually one D short of what you just said. No, I also love Ty very much. That's it. Okay, we can end there. Can we end it there? I, yeah. I have I have really liked your girlfriends. Yes, it would. I I think I'm the only one who could list the next thirty in order. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. What, who's your Who's your number two and number three? Um, they're all wonderful in their own. And I'm not even being facetious yeah. when I say that. It's maybe you understand when you look at your kids. How could you possibly? Pick a second favorite <laughs> after Swinky. Um, so you go. What I've got big questions about the seminary. Um, well, we are jumping pretty far here. Oh yeah. Anyway, what was what was the deal with you and being a scuba diver? No, oh, what was the deal? Uh, I like swimming, mm-hmm. so I wanted to be a scuba diver. So I took some scuba diving lessons and uh, did the thing. Are you certified? 
Could you teach me how to scuba I dive? Could, I am not certified to teach okay. anybody how to scuba dive. Um, I think once you're certified, you're certified forever, but I would certainly need a refresher course if I was going to get back in the water. Okay, so if you were certified to teach scuba diving, you are also, you can officiate weddings, right? No, those are different things. No, but no, I mean, you actually can do that. <laughs> oh, you are legally oh, able to I thought, officiate I thought a wedding. you were saying that like the scuba certification and the officiating weddings are tied no, together no, somehow. No, Because they're, they're not. But yes, I am legally. As, as I understand, if you can breathe through a self-contained underwater breathing apparatus, you can also marry people. Yes. Wait a minute, but you told me that all you had to do was not be dead. Like if you were the only person... If there were three people on a boat and the two of them wanted to get married and they neither of them were me, I could marry them legally. No. In no, the eyes I, of the Lord. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. But legally and in the eyes of the Lord are, are different. Do I have to be a boat captain? <laughs> yes, for the legal Okay. For the for the legal part of it, yes. Why? I don't know why boat captains Let's get can into marry maritime people. law if we could. <laughs> Little okay. Miss Scuba over here doesn't know why a boat captain is allowed to marry people. Just because I'm scuba certified and ordained doesn't mean I know anything about maritime law. Is it because you're in international waters? Uh, let me say I, that I as an interviewee, know. you are incredibly disappointing, too. That's fair, but maybe you should get a boat's uh, captain on this show if you want to ask boat I captain I don't questions. know any that I know of. <laughs> That's like the thing, like um, how grandparents say they don't know any gay people, but then you tell them like, oh, yeah, you, you know, do. they know gay people. Yeah. Like, I probably know some people who are boat captains. I don't, I don't know what percentage of the population is boat captains. It's maybe some reports say 2%, some say up to 10%. And if you uh, open up the spectrum, it could be as much as 98 to 100% of well, people are on the boat captain sure. spectrum somewhere. And if you ask teenagers. <laughs> yes. And then there are boat captains for college or whatever they're called. Boat <laughs> Captains until graduation, <laughs> beak hugs as I call them. <laughs> Jesse, I think you're a little off the rails on this. <laughs> I've met some beak hugs in my <laughs> college days. Um, so you were scuba diving, but you did not go into the seminary immediately. You studied some other baloney. What was it? That's right. I did not go directly from scuba diving to seminary. I, I went to Shippensburg University for one year to study psychology, and then I didn't really like that, so I transferred to Kutztown, uh, and I studied education for a little while and ended up getting a degree That's in English true. literature. What 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 went right and what went wrong with that? Like, what was good about that experience, but what made it so that it didn't bear out to your full-time career? I was super interested in learning about how people learn, especially learning about how little, little kids learn, the way that... Um, the way that they learn language was mm -hmm. one of the most fascinating things that that I studied in college. You have I'm going to let you I'm going to let you finish. OK, uh, but but you blew my mind when I was seeing how much Dan Dan could do in sign language before there were any verbal skills yeah. to accompany that, like his understanding of the world and his ability to express himself yeah. when the throat muscles aren't quite kicking in yet. Yeah. Wild. Like it made me rethink what a child was. Yeah. Back to you. Um, so that was kind of my favorite thing about about studying education. Um, but then I started thinking about like what it actually means to be a teacher. And it's mm -hmm. a really hard job. And it's a lot of teachers do a lot of things that are not teaching children information. Um, and, and I didn't I wasn't interested in any of that other stuff. I, you know, I was I was interested in like mm -hmm. hanging out with kids and um, helping them explore the world, uh, but not interested in the rest of what teaching 
meant. Uh, and I also wasn't like, really interested in the, the, uh, certification requirements of becoming a you're teacher. You're talking about like the meetings and the right. putting up with the town council and the right. budget cuts every right. six months or whatever. Right. Um, so I, uh, not sure what I wanted to do with my life. I knew that I wanted to read and write things. So I switched to an English major, um, figured mm-hmm. I could finish my BA and, and figure out the next step after that. Now that does not stand for badass. It does. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. My badass degree. Um, what were some of the readers or the writers that you were reading? So our senior seminar was the very worst thing ever because all we did was read every Jane Austen novel ever written. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's just not my favorite author. And these were the without zombies versions. Right, right, right. Okay. The originals. The, Interesting. The, yeah. <laughs> not my favorite books. Um, but Why was it all Jane Austen all the time? Like I have no idea. If I was making a senior curriculum for literature people, I would be trying to cram in as much variety. Like, this is it. This is our last chance <laughs> you to think? get as much variety as possible into their brains. Yeah. And I, I think I had kind of the most uh, fun in poetry classes, kind of just reading and studying and, and trying to understand why poetry works. Um, mm-hmm. Wait, there's mechanics to poetry? Yeah. I thought you just had to write the most beautiful thing as simply as possible. You can do it that way, too. Oh, okay. Cool. (laughs) There's a lot of different ways to write poetry. Second favorite poets after Harry David Eshelman, obviously. (laughs) Who do you like? I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. So I don't have an answer. Who's the guy who wrote that one about the guy from Nantucket? That's like my favorite <laughs> poet in the history of humanity. How does that poem go, Jesse? I don't think I'm familiar. Well, um, there once was a man from Nantucket. <laughs> yes. Oh, there was, he had something <laughs> so long. <laughs> All right, that's that's fine. We can stop a there. Candy cane? I'm, I can, I'm blanking on what it was. Anyway, I'm actually we're we're downstairs in my husband's office, and yes. I'm looking at his bookshelves because I know that we have a a book of limericks. Dirty or not? Uh, yes, and okay. <laughs> now I'm very confused. That was an either or question. Uh, it's it's got it's got it's got chapters. Don't worry, but I don't know if we even have that book anymore. That doesn't matter. Um, Adrian Rich, I think, is my one of my very favorite poets. I don't know anything about Adrian Rich. And when I was in college, Pop-Up interviewed me on his show, Poets Pause. And Brag. It, you know, I've, I've been embedded in uh, the, the media zeitgeist of Berks County for almost my entire life. Sure, sure. <laughs> this podcast being a natural extension of... You are amazing and incredible and always better than me. Poets Pause. Well, no, that's the thing I'm building to is in my whole life, in my whole life, there were two things I wanted to do. One was uh, be uh, uh, be in the seminary, be a preacher or make films like these were the I know I've mentioned this to you that these were the two trajectories that I was considering in high school. Like this is it. Um, You got the life I didn't go for. So when I say that, like, this is the closest I've felt to jealous of someone is that you chose, you went with my second choice and it's, I've seen it bear out to be a really cool thing. (laughs) I would not change my career. I would not trade Swinky in my career for what you have, but it is my very, like, by a razor's (laughs) margin, this is my second choice. And if I didn't have Swinky or the career, I would have taken this. Like, if Uh I had neither of those right now. I'd be like, You'd be in seminary. Not that, 
<laughs> that didn't come out right. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, that's what, that's what I'm working towards is like, what, what, why did you go the route? I didn't. The reason I didn't go that route was because I thought I'd get to travel more if I was making movies than if I was in the, the seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, also second to that reason was I'm, uh, Died in the wool agnostic, so I don't know if I could really preach the word of the Lord with the conviction that a believer might. Yeah, no, probably not. But don't you need at least one preacher per who, family who does no who doesn't believe a word of it? I, I guess. I so. So there's uh, where I where I get back to curiosity. That that yes. curiosity is so important to me. And what that do you have against cats? Cat? What? Why do you loathe? Why do you what? vie for the death of so many cats? What? With your one singular oh. passion. You're just the worst. <laughs> you said it, not me. You love <laughs> killing cats. Please answer the say the thing that you were going to say before I said something I stupid. You were oh, I curiosity. was talking about curiosity, and I think that it's really important for preachers to have a sense of curiosity, a sense mm-hmm. of, um, you know, I, I I don't I don't know the answers. I don't know um, I don't know much of anything at all. There's not much there's not much that you can know for sure in faith. That's just not what faith does, um, and so that that. I don't know if a dyed-in-the-wool agnostic could really uh, preach the gospel in the way that somebody who believes the gospel can preach the gospel, but I also don't don't know that someone who is unwilling or unable to ask questions of scripture, of the gospel, of the human experience um, can can really preach that well either. I was reading up on that, that famous saying, I think, therefore, I am. Uh, Rene Descartes, I believe it was. <laughs> What? I cannot deal with you. <laughs> Why? This is the first interview where I actually got to be myself. <laughs> Every other one I've tried to have some semblance of humanity embedded in me. Can't you give me some breathing right, room just once? Tell me more about Rene Descartes. <laughs> The the reason I bring it up is because I finally found, I read about what that was, and this was a summary, so if I'm completely wrong, if there are uh, students of Descartes who who uh, are appalled at how I represent that quote, the, the it was a thought experiment, and what he was saying was... Um, what can I prove isn't the work of the devil? Like what everything could be an illusion composed by the devil. But because I think the thoughts inside my head are the one area that I can believe uh, is not is guaranteed not a trick mm-hmm. on me. Therefore, I think. Therefore, I am. Mm-hmm. Like that's I have thoughts. Therefore, I exist. Something outside of the devil exists, and it is my thoughts at the very least, bare minimum. Okay. Does that make is that fair? Yeah. I like that thought experiment. Yeah. And it sounds like you are not that far off from where Descartes was. That that there's a, a healthy amount of questioning all along the way. Yeah. But at a certain point, like you, you can have, you have to have faith in everything except for the thoughts that you have, and even that requires a fair bit of faith. Right. 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 <laughs> but everything else requires some level of faith right. to engage. Yeah. 
Is that is that fair? Are I think we, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. See, I can I can wheel it back in. <laughs> I can, good. What do you say? Breathe it down. Calm it in. What What's the thing that you scold me with? Bring it down a little. Bring bit. it down a little bit. Yes. See, I can bring it down a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- then we're fine. Yeah. You and I might have exactly the same levels of faith. Yeah. It, it, knowing that the, there's no measurable way, there's no way to measure faith right. as right, a quantity, right, right. but. We might be more similar than different. My gosh, the things you learn about your family when you talk to them. <laughs> Imagine that, just having a conversation. So you, you graduate. You've read all the Jane Austen there is to read in the world, and you're exhausted from it. When does the inspiration hit to, to join the church? So, and, and from day one, is it UCC that you're hoping to get into, or is it? It's always been UCC. Okay. I, I, as you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I always grew up going to St. John's UCC in Kutztown. Um, and, and I've never really before seminary, certainly never engaged any other congregation than that. We loved our pastor there. Um, when we went to church, Yo, that's where shout we outs to Syrio. <laughs> hashtag Syrio. <laughs> that's a really solid hashtag, Jesse. It's mad trending. If you, it's yeah, lit. no, for sure. It's hashtag Syrio. Lit AF, lit AF, right? AF, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he um, was a good, he's a good. Yeah. So it never really even crossed my mind to check out other denominations because UCC just made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I was thinking about seminary, uh, the UCC had taken uh, some some bold and good stances. Um, about, that does not stand for Upright Citizens Church. Right. Does Uni- it? It United Church of Christ. <laughs> it is not church. the Church of Improv. It's the United Church of Christ. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and, and the, the denomination had taken some really, really bold and what I saw as really positive stances. What were some of those stances? Um, about about human sexuality, about human relationships, about uh, you know loving loving people as who they are, accepting people as who they are, not asking people to change fundamentally what their heart tells them is true and right about their own selves and their own lives. And it is important to have congregations where all folks anywhere on the spectrum are welcome for sure the, i feel like religion this is this is a big like are, do you know amway do you ever the multi-level marketing yeah like the stuff they make is good mm-hmm. but the there's such an army of ill-suited proselytizers uh-huh. for amway <laughs> That they get in the way of their own product. Right, right. And sometimes I feel that the the church has fallen into a, a similar a similar kind of little whirlpool of like the the not the product, but the product is good. Community right. is good. Right. Uh, spirituality is good. Right. Having people's having support networks and uh, Four walls, a roof, and a heater yeah. is good. Yeah. And these are what the church are to me, but they get a lot of bad press from the people right. who are pushing the Amway products a little too hard right. on their friends. Right, right. And, and often people who are just too, too sure about who's in and who's out. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that, that certainty um, makes me bristle. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and, and I think it is important, like it's, it's easy to lose sight of the churches that give home and sanctuary yeah. to the folks that might assume that no church has, has room for them because the churches that don't have room for them are the loudest and proudest yeah. churches yeah. in the world. Yeah. 
Um, but but just in my in my existence, in my meeting people and learning about their lives and and being curious about them, um, I have seen I've seen people come out um, wherever they're landing on the spectrum when they come out and and tell the truth about who they are. And I've seen the way that their lives open up. And it's beautiful and it's good. Um, and and To not live in the closet. Right, to yes. not live in the closet. To say to not have you to know, lie about a fundamental aspect of your humanity right. all day, every day to right. everyone you see. Right, but just, just seeing people live into their truth and, yes. and how beautiful it is and how good it is and how um, just how bright their life gets after they tell the truth, after they live the truth, um, that's... You know, I talk a lot about uh, cautioning against being sure, but that is what makes me sure uh, that that it's good. That just as close to sure it, as yeah. anybody can be. Right, right. That you're like sand. You're so close to shore. Oh, jeez, Louise. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> you did just say that. Hashtag you're welcome. <laughs> that so it mattered to me that that I be part of a church that um, that lets people not lets people, but that accepts and welcomes and loves people as who they are and, uh, and celebrates their brightness and their light and their joy. I'm going to, I don't know if I've ever told you this story about when I figured out what church was. Uh, do you remember I was biking around Spain, mm-hmm. um, just having a grand old time camping. I think you were having the worst months of your entire life. Yep. Let me tell you about how awesome it was. <laughs> That's fair. For me. That's fair. I, we, I just we meant talked, for me. We talked about high school for for the two yeah. of us. We can talk about yeah. this. Yeah, it wasn't all raspberries and roses for you. <laughs> um, no, it, but I was biking around and I was in I, uh, Seville maybe or Salamanca. I forget. Anyway, it was pounding rain, freezing cold, like eight o'clock at night, pitch blackout. And I had uh, nowhere to go. So I was just biking down the street and it was really horrible. Like this is yeah. about as horrible as a feeling can be. And there was a church and the door was uh, open and it said, come in or whatever. You know, it was just like, it was clear that I could walk in. So I walked in and there was just an organist playing and the organist was in the back of the church and you would sit down in the pew and, uh, and that's not my name. That's a seat in a church. And you would look forward or you would bend down and pray and, uh, it was Bach, like it was all Bach for an hour. And I just sat there and I needed four walls and a roof yeah. so badly. Yeah. Like it, I would have taken a bathroom at that yeah. point to just hang out in, but that it was roasty toasty mm-hmm. and the music was so beautiful. And mm-hmm. there were other people in there silently praying and looking at the altar. And that was when I was like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. It is a, an open door to people mm-hmm. who need an open door in that moment. And that's when I was sold on the idea of church. Yeah. And I'm still curious about, I, I, I don't know, I'm pretty calcified in my beliefs about God, but <laughs> <laughs> you'll see me in the front row nonetheless taking yeah. notes on everything that is said by the pastor. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll come over to the fold, but I don't know. What does it matter what I believe? If God exists, he doesn't really need my affirmation. Yeah. And if he doesn't, why would I waste my time? <laughs> that is something I mentioned the other day. We were talking and, and John Green has talked about how whether or not God exists is one of the least interesting questions of faith. It is. That, um, that yeah, that... <laughs> Why, have, why, why argue about it? What's the, what's the gain either way? I don't know if this slang has made it over. I think slang makes it quicker than it did back in the day. But in L.A., we say that, like, oh, she's so basic or she's so extra. 
But the question of God does exist feels very basic yeah. and not extra at yeah. all. And movies like God's Not Dead feel very <laughs> basic. <laughs> See, I like to inject my own opinions every now and then. <laughs> How shocking. You yeah, have opinions? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. And I'll share them unsolicited. Um, can I go to the bathroom? Sure. Okay, I'll, is that one right there? Yeah, do, do we pause this? No. We'll just keep it. So you finish up Jane Austen. Yep. Did we talk about like when the impulse hits, like when you're like, ah, I know I could become a millionaire off of this literature BA that I have, but I want to give myself <laughs> yeah, to as, a higher as purpose. Everybody listening knows the quickest way to get rich is to it's, get a BA in English. It could be Maseratis and Bentleys and <laughs> Ciroc from here till the end of time, but... Um, so yeah, you were asking me that, but then you asked me why, why UCC and we got very sidetracked. Do you, we're not sidetracked. Did you hear a higher calling or was it just an appropriate calling? Um, so I I don't know the answer to that question, but (laughs) I do know. It's a really bad question. I think the the problem isn't with you. Okay. Well, so the story, the story goes a little something like this. Do you want some music? No. (laughs) I've got music. Do you want some boring story music? Do you have that one? How did you know which one I was going for? Here's the thing. Your, your first note was, uh, and I still, I still am only happy to tell this whole story, though I told it on the air before. Your first note after one guest was more diversity, please. <laughs> no, it was not more diversity, please. It was as you're going forward. I hope you're planning to have diverse, more diverse, not more diverse, diverse guests, because right. obviously you can't get more diverse from a from a sample of one. Yes. So uh, your second note, do you remember what your second note was? It was absolutely more drops. All right. Hit me up with that story. (laughs) So um, after I finished college, John and I got engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, And as we were kind of starting to plan the wedding, I decided I did not want to be the person who uh, showed up at church for her wedding and then never before and never again. So... 
Do you have a question? No, that's just very specific. Please continue. (laughs) It's a a pretty common thing. Um, So I started going back to church, back to St. John's in Kutztown with mom and uh, just being in the pews, um, joining the church. That being a seat, not... Correct. So there was a Sunday when I was sitting with mom in the church and Reverend Sirio was preaching as Mm -hmm. he is wont to do on a Sunday morning. And uh, the thought just hit me. I wish I could be called to preach. And... And Wish granted immediately, I imagine. (laughs) Yes. And it was just such a bizarre thought that I am not a person who is comfortable with public speaking. I was not a person who uh, grew up going to church all the time. It was just such a surprise that I had to really sit with that thought and Mm -hmm. and kind of let it it be part of me for a while. Um, And I realized that I was being called into ministry. that it just felt very, very right, the thought of of becoming a pastor, that um, a lot of the things that I love doing, a lot of the things that I um, love being are are things that I can do and be as a pastor. Um, and, and, you know, my, my faith really opened up in that process um, in, a, in a good way. Wait a minute. Do you remember when I wrote, I was texting you about the story of Moses and you were like, I was talking about how God really was like breathing down his neck about <laughs> about being a preacher. And Moses is like, nah, uh, uh, nobody likes to hear me talk. Did you feel any kinship with that part of that story? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anytime, anytime I find in the scripture someone that God is like, hey, go do this thing for me. And they're like, no, thank you, God. I'd rather do something else, please. I'm not the appropriate vessel, Lord. I'm not good enough for these reasons. Uh, I, I like that because God always says, no, no, you are. You're, you're who I need. Now, I haven't gotten through the whole Bible. I got to the part that was maddeningly dull, where it was just measurements <laughs> of cubits. and Was it numbers? <laughs> it was lists of the cloth they had to cut to make, uh, to, to sling the sacred tent around. So, Jesse's fire take, not every word of the Bible is interesting. Yeah. No, there's some lists in there. Like, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, have you ever read that? No. Okay. Uh, they... They list every ingredient of every meal that those freaking hobbits eat. It gets very dull very quickly. (laughs) That was, uh, I would say the Bible is a lot like Lord of the Rings. Uh, Okay. Um, Anyway, what was the point? I don't know. Oh, uh, uh, the question I had was, are there any stories in the Bible, I haven't gotten to them if there are, where God calls somebody to serve him, like in the case of Moses, and the person says, I'm not the right one for this job, and then it turns out they actually aren't the right person for for the job. Like, they do a bad job at it, and then God's like, oh, well, no, okay. No, I think think every time it's, I'm not the right person for the job, and then there are some who even, like, try to go and do something else instead. Mm-hmm. Like, like Jonah, your, your buddy Jonah, who he tries to not go to Nineveh and he gets eaten by a fish. <laughs> and then See, while he's in that, the fish, he's like, okay, fine, God, I'll do the thing. That sounds way more exciting than a <laughs> list of garments that have to be sewn. Well, I guess that depends on if you're a person uh, who likes lists of garments or not. Uh, well, okay. You got me there. <laughs> we'll have to check in with so and tell, which there. <laughs> <laughs> books of the Bible they like the best. They like Jonah or the garment listings. Yeah, no, but getting and in, in, in eaten by a fish, that sounds pretty pretty wild. Right? What happens to Jonah? <laughs> okay, spoiler alert, y'all. Yes. Uh, he gets out of the fish and goes to Nineveh. Okay, oh, good, yeah. good, good. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Uh, that, I was bare knuckling it there for a minute. <laughs> okay, quick question about the, the, the New Testament. 
Okay. Favorite apostle. Go. <laughs> I'm partial to the Marys. Oh, where's that? <laughs> Hold on, I need Mary Magdalene or Mary the Mother. All, all of them. Boom! All those you heard it here first, middle, and last on the Hollywood Fishbowl. All of those preaching women who got out there and and told people about the resurrection before the men even got there. Uh, you know what? You know what? I'm a little, me. I'm a little miffed right now. Fair. I'm a little, you're kind of grinding my gears. Because you're forgetting about someone I, I like to call Salome. <laughs> yes, Salome also is there with the spices. Thank what? you for the reminder. Yeah, it's, there were three <laughs> who, who ran away screaming in panic the good news and then had to be calmed down later in an amended chapter. <laughs> If I recall correctly. I don't think you do. Wait, no, there were three of them. Yeah, but they weren't like hysterical and needed to be calmed by some man. They went to no. the other apostles and said, hey, guys, guess what happened? Okay, did they or did they not run away fearful? Yes, they did. Okie dokie. That's all I wanted. And in this interview is done. That's all I needed from you. Who Can you give me some context for Salome? Because all I know about Salome is that there was... When I was living, when I was not living, when I visited Spain the first time, boy, did I live a good life. <laughs> I was down at the beach and one of somebody's relative's daughter was named Salome. Okay. And we ended up drawing a lot of pictures in the sand together. And that yeah. was the only Salome I'd known until I, until I learned about this, this carpenter from Galilee. <laughs> I did not know that this was going to be a Bible quiz all of a sudden. It's not. It's not. It's just that when I saw Salome in the Bible, I was like, oh, that's where they figured that one out. Uh And the preacher keeps calling her Salome. Like, what? What preacher's calling her Salome? Pastor Jeremy at Reality LA. Oh, okay. Dropping the bomb. I'm sure he's a listener. I'm sure. (laughs) Hi, Pastor Jeremy from Reality LA. Not only is he a listener, but he's made it this far in this episode. (laughs) No doubt. For sure. This is going to be everybody's favorite episode. Good Lord. Look at the time. It flies. Do you want the first poll? Of course I do. Now, okay, I'm going to give you a choice and I will respect it. Do you want ridiculous music on every poll, like with the Mariko Lockridge episode, or do you think I should ease off the drops? You know, I'm going to let you make that call, Jesse. All right, you get the first poll. All right. How am I supposed to do this without bumping the mic? You're supposed to bump the mic. (laughs) What? That's That's the drop we're using today. What did you get? Where do you feel the safest... A place, so I can't say with whom do I feel the safest. Um, probably my home. Drops. <laughs> Drops. I feel very safe in my home. Where do you feel the safest, Jesse? Do you feel the safest in the home because of the people who are there with you? Well, it's. I'm only allowed to say a place. It says specifically a this place a where you feel the question. safest. I, oh, yeah. are you allowed to have follow-up questions on these? There are no rules. I am always baffled. When after <laughs> everything that has come before the fishbowl, people are asking about the nuances of the regulations. <laughs> yes, it Clearly, is. Clearly, <laughs> there's no. Yes, I feel safest with my with my family. That's a good place to feel safe. I agree. Where do you feel safest? Uh, in the, in the loving arms of my darling wife. Oh, that's. Um, very sweet. So you can understand the the almost perpetual panic I've been experiencing since January 4th, 2018. Yes. <laughs> 
That was a loud one. That was. How am I going to pull and drop at the same time? <laughs> you were so talented. Jokes. <laughs> you got a joke? All right. This is Steven's favorite joke. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. How does Harry Potter get down the hill? I don't know. How does Harry? Oh, wait. I'll do it like in an old joke book. You got me. How does Harry Potter get down a hill? Walking. JK, rolling. That's a good joke. Ah! I give it one scream up. Okay, but my real favorite joke in the whole world, mm-hmm. uh, I, think, I think once I start it, you're going you're gonna to be able to play, play, play a part in it. Are you ready? Yes. Uh, okay. Do I need to get... Uh, I got a sample if it's not a good joke. <laughs> it's going to be a good joke. Don't okay, worry. Hit me. All right, so make a, make a phone ringing sound. Bring, bring. Hello? You don't say. You don't say. You don't say. Click. Who was it? He didn't say. (laughs) And I will tell you that I recently had someone do that joke Mm -hmm. in my presence in all earnestness. It was very good. Was it Keith Brinsenhoff? It was not Keith Brinsenhoff. That's a little cuts down inside baseball. Don't worry if you don't know who Keith Brinsenhoff is. It was a funeral director while we were waiting for the uh, grave digger to arrive. (laughs) You gotta kill time somehow. Exactly. You tell a joke. Have I told you my word that I like? Let me hear it. Widowzilla. (laughs) Do you ever get widowzillas in your job? I have never. Okay. Um, a joke that I like. Here's a joke that I like. Is I don't want to tell it because it's too long and you jokes were good and this one is not <laughs> worth the legwork required. Is the punchline beans, said his mother? No, the punchline is a long sentence that is stupid. Okay. That it hinges on, it's a sentence that was one sentence, but then you replace most of the words with similar sounding words, but then you have to set up each similarly sounding <laughs> word in the punchline. So it's a lot of legwork for this a little reward. tedious. <laughs> Your turn. That's the sound. Did you know that it's, it hurts the fishbowl every time you pull I did not know that. That makes me really sad. It's physically painful. What have you got? It's a two-part question. Ooh, is it from James Choi? Yes. Is it about the Second Amendment? Yes. Oh, I, I know how many two-part questions there are in the fishbowl. <laughs> So part one is, are you pro-gun or anti-gun slash Second Amendment? Mm-hmm. And uh, the second part is, what does the Second Amendment say? Uh, and so, my best guess about what the Second Amendment says is about uh, that that in the U.S. folks have the right to uh, bear arms and establish well-controlled militias, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, a well-regulated militia well-regulated. being instrumental to the... Well-being of a uh, healthy blah, 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 I feel blah, like blah. maybe you did some research once this question went in the bowl. I haven't. I haven't. I need to. Every time it comes out, yeah. I say I need to actually just have that on the desktop so I can read it off. Yeah, but but here's my here's my, my hot, hot take. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really care about the Second Amendment. It's not it's not one of my, my top priorities in this world. Uh, and I am personally anti-gun. Uh, do not own any guns and will not own any guns. I own a couple of guns. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. He's talking about his arms, friends. Here's a joke. Are you ready? Yes. Um, the, the ASPCA just, uh, just filed fines against me. Do you know why? No. For keeping these pythons wrapped up. Pfft. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, good work. Oh, you want a ding? You can I want ding. a ding. No, oh, it's your poll. Yes. I know I'm how this part works. Is that yours? No. Oh, oh, someone who hasn't been on the fishbowl has surreptitiously subverted the <laughs> system. All right, what's the, what's the question? This comes from Ellen Von Dredditor. What's the best thing you've ever found on the ground? The best thing I've ever ever found on the ground. And I am calling Alan out on this one after you answer it. Why don't you call Alan out while I think of an answer? One day, we were sitting in the cafeteria in college over a decade ago. Nigh upon 15 years at this point, I dare say. Um, Alan... Uh, was he is a cut up and he had the table and stitches already with his japes, jests, jokes, and other assorted bon mots. And he dropped this little gem on us. He said, If you're ever telling a story and you realize that it doesn't have a good ending, just say, And then I found $20 and you're off the hook. <laughs> That is a good story ending. I cannot think of anything interesting I've found on the ground. And I think that this question is the genesis of that comment he made. And then I found $20. Yes. So wait, you've never found anything interesting on the ground and then you found $20. I see a plot hole. (laughs) I mean, I've seen interesting things, certainly. And some of them have been on the ground, certainly. But nothing stands out as an especially interesting thing that I've seen on the ground. I think 20 bucks might have been the thing. Jared and I were walking down West Uh Walnut and uh, we found a $20 bill. And then there's the issue of how do we split this? Is it the person who saw it first gets the money or grabbed it first gets the money or said I saw it first (laughs) gets the money? And I think we landed on split it 50-50. Like we'll go... That's fair. And then I found 20 bucks. <laughs> and I found 20 bucks. Somehow, Alan, I made, I made your good advice into a boring story. Did I, did I bump the mic for you? Did you hear it? That was insufficient. Were you ever a bad friend to someone? What did you learn from ending sure a friendship? Sure were a bad sister. Oh, stealing hazard identity. <laughs> I, am, I am quite certain that I have been a bad friend to someone. Uh, I don't feel like I want to tell the story on air, though. Can you give me a hint, initials of who the friend was? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, hold on. (laughs) We forgot to do that one. Is this yours? Yes. Okay. People often assume that I fill in the blank. Go ahead and fill in the blank. I just did. People often assume that I fill in blanks, Willie. But if they leave Mad Libs sitting out, I'm going to go ham on it. Um, So I actually... Uh, you already asked me the, the question mm-hmm. that made me think of that is, uh, so whenever people find out that I'm a pastor, there are some, some very quick assumptions. And the first one is always that I was offended by the swearing that they did before they found out that I was a pastor. See, that's the thing. People it's like they so go wild into a cold sweat when I tell them that my sister is a pastor. Like yes. they, they shouldn't have said fuck ever in their <laughs> lives because I know someone who works at a church. When when I was in seminary, if I would be meeting people and I didn't want to get into it, they'd mm-hmm. say, oh, what do you do? And I would say, I'm in grad school. I'm a professional swearer. <laughs> I love swearing. And then uh, there was a time recently when I was at a, a child's birthday party 
And I was sitting with another mom and uh, we were very studiously not asking each other what we did. I wasn't mm-hmm. asking her because I don't want to start that conversation. And I noticed that she wasn't asking me. Mm-hmm. It turned out that she was a funeral director. So oh. we ended up having a wonderful conversation. That's what I'm talking about. If everybody would shut up about Amway, then people like would be able to say, like, oh, yeah, this stuff, their products aren't that bad. Yeah. And we like we could all move forward yeah. as a society. But take that and put it on the church. Right, I, I didn't right. mean that for Amway. Right. No, and and yeah, and and just like nobody knows how to talk to a young female pastor, nobody yeah. knows how to talk to a young female funeral director. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, so people assume that I uh, don't like swearing. I do like swearing. Um, people assume that I don't like drinking alcohol. I do like sometimes drinking alcohol. Uh, what else do they assume about you? There are things that people assume about me that I don't want to blow up on air. Not ready to talk about them. Um, yeah, so there you That's go. Fair. All right. I can opt out too. You didn't even have to. I could have. Isn't it fun? <laughs> Did I tell you the story? I went into the store and said, I want a bell. And the lady said, what kind? And I said, the kind that goes ding. And then she said, oh, a concierge bell right this way. <laughs> I love that she said a concierge bell right this way, because that's what a concierge would say. (laughs) Describe a moment where you were obsessed with someone, something, besides hazard identity. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. This is, uh, I don't know. You've never had a freaking Buffy. You can't even round that to being obsessed (laughs) with something. I do love Buffy. That's true. Okay, after Hush and Once More with Feeling, what is the best episode? Okay, so for sure, for sure, you don't even have to wait for an answer on that. It is the episode where Willow's spell goes wrong and Buffy and Spike are engaged. It's so good. This sounds like there could be some wackiness. <laughs> there is some wackiness Does for sure. Does any hilarity ensue? Y- yes, a lot of hilarity ensues. So yeah, maybe Buffy a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? I don't know. I guess, okay, I guess uh, earlier this year I read for the first time a book by Adam Silvera and also for the first time a book by Becky Albertalli. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, And immediately after finishing each book, I had to read everything that either of them had ever written. I kind of get like that. If if Mm -hmm. a book is really good, I want to read every word that the author's written. Have you read 100 Years of Solitude? No. Okay, that's a fun one. Call me when you're done with it. Will do. doesn't matter if it's in 10 years or whatever, and we will. (laughs) Have you read They Both Die at the End? I have not. I have not, but it is on (laughs) my- Call me when you did. I will. It's on my ever-growing pile of books Thank you. to read. What about you? What's your obsession been? My obsession has been, um, you know, just putting a big old smile on the women who have been kind enough to date me's face is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you rang the bell, I don't get to ask you if that's really what you want to have said just then. Well, no, I'm trying to think, but that's kind of like. That's my favorite thing to do, I think. Yeah, I was not going to bump the mic, but I just did again. Oh, now you're bumping the table. You're bumping the mics. <laughs> uh, it's from Scott. Scott, man, how you been? And it's, what's your favorite freeway? Now, here in Pennsylvania, we don't call them freeways. What do you call them? Can I say my favorite highway? You can call it a highway. <laughs> my favorite highway is probably 222. Double de deuce on the deuce. <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> Dick dickity dick. <laughs> I didn't know that was another name for it. That's a Keithy one. <laughs> oh. I, 
I could have guessed the etymology in a heartbeat. I heard your answer to that one on air. Yes, and it was long and winding and not working. Just like your favorite freeway, right? Hold on. Good Lord. You happy? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, here's the thing is, um, it doesn't matter when you listen to this episode. Right now in Pennsylvania, it's 1144 in the morning on Christmas Eve, the very eve of the Mass of Christ. The morning of the eve of the Mass of Christ. Um, Where are we going with this, bro? I'll tell you exactly where we're going with this. I know that there is somebody over in Japan who would love to get on satellite uplink with you. And we do we we need to get her before she goes to bed because there's a different time in Japan from here. Yes, I'm I don't well mean, aware. I don't mean to time explain things <laughs> to you. But I'm going to uh, we're going to play the theme music. I know she's waiting to get on, so we're going to play the theme music and while that happens, I will get her up and live and on the satellite uplink. Is that okay? That's fine with me. Can you can you bear through the theme music while we kind of disconnect this thing and reconnect another thing? I would be delighted. All right, here we go. And- <laughs> Centimili micro nano pico vento ato. Everybody now hold somebody and tell them that you love them. I, I love, love you. you. Lift your hands together and praise, praise the, the Lord. Lord. Hi, Swinky. Are you are you connected? Hi, thanks for having me. No, thanks Sorry, for coming I can't on. be there, but at least we have this satellite uplink. No, good Lord. Thank you for coming on. It is at, at the very least we have this this satellite uplink. You are here with Selena. Selena, say hello. Hi, Swinky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how how are you doing? Are you good? Oh, it's a satellite uplink. <laughs> if it sounds weird, that's why. Yeah, no, there might be some delay between what we what we what we hear and what we say. Swinky, do you have any questions for for Selena? So, how's your life? Ooh, a probing question. <laughs> that's a great question. My life is good. Yeah. Yeah. Any follow-up information you want to volunteer for Swinky? (laughs) Sure. It's Christmas Eve, and I get to go to church for a long time tonight, and then when I get home, I get to sleep until my children wake up. You're interesting. (laughs) Thank you. What a nice compliment. You're interesting, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Where do you want to be in five years? In in five years? Uh, I would love to be happy. Just like right now. Ah. What do you wish you had done differently first time you arrived? <laughs> I I think the context is a little different. She's been here quite some time, Swinky. Not to not to houseplain things to you, but uh, yeah, what would you have done differently, I guess is the core the, of that question. Swinky, hold on. Swinky, would you say that the core of that question is what would you have done differently? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you have done differently? Well, I will tell you that if John was in charge of my answer, what I would have done differently is not breaking up with him. John Hamilton? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it didn't stick, though, so it worked out all right in the end. Wait, how long were you two broken up? Oh, off and on for maybe six months. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably uh-huh. about a total of six months of our time together has been time broken up. Swinky, would you say that you and I have a similar story about being together and then breaking up and then being together? Yeah. Would you like me to clue Selena into that whole story? Yeah. 
<laughs> I wish that Swinky could tell me the story herself, Jesse. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like she wishes she could tell it too. But did you know we dated for like 10 days and then broke up and didn't talk to each other for a year and then became friends again. And then three years after becoming friends, we started dating again officially. You knew that. That's a, that's a really good way to date someone. You get to know them well. Yeah. Ah, Do you ah. agree, Swinky, that this was a good plan that we had? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Can I ask Swinky a question? Sure. I hope it's a yes question. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hate Jesse? You're interesting. <laughs> hey, Swinky, if, you, if, if Selena ever tries to bully you into, into saying uh, a question that you don't want to answer, you can just sing a song. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Selena, try again with that same question. <laughs> hey, Swinky, do you wish Jesse would shut up sometimes? Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone bills? Can you pay my automobiles? I don't think you do. So you want me here through. I think Swinky has answered that question very clearly, Selena. Stop trying to bully her. Jesse, I have some new feedback about the Hollywood fishbowl. Yes. You should have more Swinky drops. I think that she is always warmly welcome. Swinky, do you have any more questions for Selena? Do you take five-minute showers to save water because LA is a desert? And out of... um in in. Solidarity with your brother. Do you take five minute showers because LA is a desert? I do not. I don't live in LA. You're interesting. Thank you again. What a nice you, compliment. Can you ring the bell? I would, but I'm not there. You know, <laughs> Thank I like you, Swinky. Bells. Swinky, for real, I love you. You're interesting. <laughs> I, Swinky, I was wondering if you would mind talking about dumb things. He says dumb things, but he's really smart. Oh, you mean dumb things, I say. I, it's just that I have this note here that all it says is dumb things, and I had no idea what, 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 that, was, um, what that was about. Now, why you want to go and do that and do that, huh? Keep notes on, on things to say? It's, it's just a plan. Anyway, um, is it okay if we wrap up? Oh, we're done? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Don't mind Pew. He means well. <laughs> bye. Love you. Bye. All right. Swinky, thank you so much for coming on the fishbowl. I think we're going to wind down. Is it okay if we wind down? I'm ready to wind down. All right. Then uh, it's time for the goodbye music. I love it. Which I have you ever heard this before? <laughs> no, I don't actually listen to your podcast. This has been the Hollywood Fishbowl, the least listened to podcast in Selena's brain. I have been your host, Jesse Kester, and I will continue to be your host, Jesse Kester, and I will continue to be Jesse Kester as long as I live. If you liked what you heard, you can find us at www.hollywoodfishbowl.com or on the Instagrams and the Schmitters at HWFishbowl, but it's not about us. It's about the guests, Selena Hamilton A. Kester. Where can people find you if they want to find you? Well, I guess you can find me at Rosedale United Church of Christ in Laureldale. Come by any Sunday. Now, just so there's no confusion, that's Rosedale in Laureldale, not Correct. Laureldale in Rosedale. Yes. Rosedale in Laureldale. <laughs> Sundays, 7 o'clock, 7.30? 7.45 and 10.30. Which is your favorite one, the 7.45 or the 10 o'clock? I like them both for very different reasons. You've been to both, right? Heck yeah. The and 7.45, I both again. The 7.45 is nice because it's, it's very chill. 
very yes. very calm. Um, and then the ten thirty is nice because it's like we go all out. T-shirt cannons. Yeah, t-shirt cannons at ten thirty every week. Sometimes gritty comes out. <laughs> every once in a while, yeah. Real down. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but yeah, no, we. Uh, do you just call like that center thing the aisle, or do you have a weird word for it? It's called the aisle. Okay. Yeah. Glad we cleared that yeah. up. <laughs> this, is, this is the hot, hot questions on the Hollywood fishbowl.